Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy. And what was the purpose of the law? Twofold. It's the same as witnessing. Number one, you're a sinner. Number two, you need a savior. The law taught us we're a sinner. The sacrifices taught about Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Let's go to the Word of God and find out about it today. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. It's a blessing to be here with you and to learn the Word of God. Actually, two days ago, I started a series called Grace Has Always Been God's Plan. His means of salvation, His means of pleasing Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's found in Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is the most miraculous spreading out of the heroes of faith from the Word of God. By faith, Abraham, by faith, Noah, Moses, uh, Enoch, all the way up through um, Moses and and those following him and David and all those. It spans every dispensation and the law is included there. By the time you get to Moses, that's where the law was, but you have a whole lot of names mentioned before Abraham. How do they please God? By faith. How are they saved? By faith. That tells us something. You can't get saved by the law because people are already getting saved for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the time that Moses came along. And they were saved by simple faith. And the greatest one that's amplified in the Old Testament is Abraham. Abraham. Abraham had faith in the Lord. It was accounted to him for righteousness. And then he walked by faith after that. That's always been God's plan. God hasn't changed. He didn't do a total turnabout at the cross and become different. No, he offered more. More today is offered by accepting Jesus in the Old Testament, but the whole means of salvation has always been to believe in Jesus, period. They called him Jehovah in the Old Testament. We call him Jesus in the New Testament, but he's the same one, the manifested member of the Godhead, the one that came from heaven down to earth, took on a human body. Whenever God manifested himself in the Old Testament, it was always through Jesus Christ. He was the rock that followed the children of Israel, the fire uh, at night. He was the cloud by day. He was the burning bush that uh, Moses spoke to. Uh, it was the angel of the Lord. We can go down the list of things found that Jesus Christ came long before and many times before he came to this earth as a human being. But once he came as a human being and he was laid in that manger, he will always have a physical body attached to it. He became our mediator, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the one that came to be our mediator. And again, he's always been the means of salvation. And we, for two days, have been talking about the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was never to save. No, the means of salvation has always been by grace, has always been through faith. And the purpose of the law was not to save anybody. And the purpose of the law was to show what the, what the gospel says to us. The gospel has two parts. Number one, you're a sinner. Number two, you're a, you need a savior. That's what the law did. Number one, it pointed to you and said, you're the problem. We kept thinking we're the answer. No, no, you're the problem. And the second part of the law was the sacrifices, which pointed to Jesus Christ. The written law all of its different sections, all of its different uh, applications to daily life, you know, to, to, uh, to sanitation laws and eating laws and all the other things, all that's found in the law. That points to the fact that you cannot keep God's law. The second part of it was the sacrifices, which pointed to the answer, the Lord Jesus Christ. All, the all that the uh, law was, was basically taking place of the gospel. It points to Jesus Christ. And Paul pointed that out. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Once we come to Christ, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. 
so that from the time of Moses till the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, then that was the time period in which the law was here, but Jesus Christ came and fulfilled it, lifted it out of the way, coming again to simply tell us he is the means of salvation. We have a problem. We can't keep God's law. And so people that don't accept Jesus reject him, simply says, I can handle it all by myself. I can do it. And so what they say is, I will keep God's promises. I will keep his laws. I'll do all those things myself. And simply says, for me to come to God, I'm going to present all my works. God will accept him and I'll get all of the glory. No, under under grace, God does all the work, gives it to man. We receive it and God gets all the glory. Galatians 3.16 says this again. Now to Abraham and his seed. The seed has a capital S. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He did not say as to seeds as of many, that's the Jewish race. So it's not just the Jewish race that's open to this, but again, from Abraham came a physical race, but also came a spiritual race. And that was the stars of heaven. And he said, and you shall all nations be blessed. And that's by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And see the Jews of Jesus' day kept saying, wait, we're the seed of Abraham. He said, no, 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 you're not the seed of Abraham simply because you were born that way. You're not a seed of Abraham until you again find a relationship with God. And that's the true seed of Abraham. The physical Jews on this earth have physical promises, physical blessings of being a Jew, but one of them is not a guarantee to go to heaven. They go to heaven the same way we do, the same way that Abraham did, the same way that David did. And that was by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So the second part of Galatians 3.16 says, he does not say as to seeds as of many, that's the Jewish race, but as of one to your seed, who is Christ. God made the covenant with Abraham while he slept. Genesis 15 verses 9 through 18 tells us this is when the Lord approached Abraham to set this covenant up and God put him to sleep. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful example is that basically you got to go to sleep for God to save. You got to quit trying and all that and just lay back and grace is simply resting in God's promises says, I accept your plan. I accept everything you have done. And so while Abraham slept, God made the covenant with him. It was Christ, not Abraham, who cut the sacrifice into and traveled between the divided pieces. This is all found in Genesis 15. While Abraham was there, the covenant was the covenant animal was sliced in two, and the uh, the lamp and the on, and the fire they went through that, and they went through that one by they almost formed a figure eight between it. So Jesus Christ was the mediator between Abraham and God, and Christ was also there to represent us, since he had no need of a covenant. That's Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus Christ took our place and we made the covenant with Abraham on that day because why we were in Christ, seen in him. Christ held the blessings in state until we came into a personal relationship with him and God the Father. Galatians 3.29 says this, if you are Christ's, that's accepting him as your Lord and Savior, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to to the promise. Oh man, could we get into sermons on that? But I'm just gonna let you meditate on that for a while. And in the meantime, turn to Galatians chapter three. We're gonna take a look at verse 15. And while you're going there, again, let me thank all of you who watch the broadcast, those of you who are dedicated to the broadcast, and those of you who are really dedicated to me personally. Listen, you can't join a broadcast, and I can't even tell you join my ministry. A covenant's not drawn up between a person and a ministry. The covenant's drawn up between two people, 
And what you're doing is you're taking my heart and you're joining me. You're not joining this ministry, Bobby Andy and Ministries. No, that's just the that's just the group I put around me. That's the name I put on the ministry, and it's also a legal thing. But on the other side, it simply comes back to this. Whenever you decide to join in covenant, you like the heart of the person. And your heart is attached to my heart, and you join me together in seeing to it the word of God gets spread to more and more people all the time. We have expanded. We've gone on new television stations. Every day we're getting requests from people and also blessings, just telling us how grateful they are for the broadcast. And you're probably watching right now, many of you who have written to me and many of you who have contacted us. If you'd like to become a partner with me, along with these other hundreds and hundreds that are partners with me, would you just simply go to bobbyandian.com? You can find a place there where you can become a partner with me in uh, this ministry that God has given to me, in the heart that I have on the inside for training people in the word of God. You and I can come in a covenant relationship with each other, commit to prayer once a month, but also giving once a month into this ministry. I'm not telling you what to give. I'm just simply asking you to do it. And whatever you give, you give as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, God and Bob love cheerful givers. Galatians 3.15 says this through verse 18, brethren, I speak in the manner of men. In other words, humanly speaking, if I'm looking at this whole thing through human eyes, though it is only a man's contract, yet once ratified, no one annuls or adds to it. When two people drop a business covenant with each other, you don't change that. Now, there may be additions on the outside called addendums to it, but they don't come and replace the covenant. They're simply there to amplify parts of it. If part B of this covenant seems to be a little confusing, we don't go back and change the original covenant. We put a side thing on the side. All right. We change something and by, or we, we amplify something by putting something out there to amplify it. Let's read that again. I speak in the manner of men. Humanly speaking, if two men, we'll say business people, if two business people drop a contract, it, once it's confirmed, no one can annul it and no one adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed, which is Christ, were the promises made. He doesn't say to seeds as of many, the Jewish nation, but as of one and to your seed who is Christ. Look at verse 17. And this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, after Abraham already entered into a covenant, the law came along. And it goes on to say there, I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance is by the law, it is no longer by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Notice this, that the law was given. But what was added on the outside of it was something that made it clearer. And by making it clear, here's what God's covenant was. Abraham, you're a mess. You need Jesus. So Abraham went to sleep and God in his grace simply gave, made the covenant with him. And it's in essence us going to sleep and not helping God. God doesn't need our help. We simply sit back and say, okay, Jesus, I accept you as the Lord and Savior of my life. And boom, the power of God goes into effect. The Holy Spirit comes in, recreates our spirit on the inside and makes us a child of God. But the point of it is, if you're there and you can't understand that, it's like it's a little bit difficult. God gave the law to a nation called Israel to tell them something. And the purpose of the law was to do the same thing the word of God does, the same thing the promises of God does, and the same thing that witnessing does. It shows them 
you're the problem, here's the answer. And the purpose of the law was a temporary covenant. The law was a temporary covenant set beside an eternal covenant. The eternal covenant goes on forever and forever. The temporary covenant lasted from the time of Moses till the time of Jesus Christ, and then it just simply disappeared. I talked about it in the last broadcast, it is a bit actor that comes on stage and says, there's your problem, that's the villain. There's your answer, that's the hero. And by pointing to the villain, it was us, our, us ourselves, born in sin, born under Adam's curse. But he pointed to Jesus Christ and said, that's the hero, all right? And the hero was Jesus Christ. And so he revealed that to us once and for all, and then he steps aside. And that's why Paul said the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, but once we come to Christ, we're no longer in the schoolmaster. So the temporary actor comes on stage for a moment, does his part and walks off. And so again, this is what we have. The law was a secondary and a temporary covenant, could not nullify the Abrahamic covenant of grace because when two men draw up a contract, you cannot change it, you cannot disannul it. A temporary contract cannot nullify a permanent contract. Galatians 3.19 tells us this. The law was a temporary addition until Jesus Christ came and fulfilled it. This is the whole purpose of it. And this is the purpose of why I'm teaching this to you so you will more clearly understand this. This will make you help to clearly understand why the law can't save us. And everybody is under the law if they don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, whether you're a Jew or not. Why? Because most everybody thinks. You talk to them, they'll say, well, I, I think I can get to heaven of my own good works. You can't do it. If you could do it, why did Jesus have to come and die? He did it because you cannot save yourself. We're going to go for the break right now. I'll see you right after the break. The awesome grace of God begins with salvation and carries us all the way through this life and into eternity. Because of the work of the cross, God's grace is absolutely free to all who will simply receive it. In this five-lesson teaching series, Pastor Bobby Indian highlights the foundational Bible truths concerning four specific types of grace that God has provided for us. The topic titles are Mephibosheth, Convicting Grace, Saving Grace, Living Grace, and Dying Grace. Understanding the nature of the grace of God in each of these areas of life will help you understand the nature of His character and His unconditional love for us. To order types of grace, go to bobyandian.com. How much faith do I need to be healed? In The Grace of Healing, Bobby Andian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach. With practical biblical teaching, that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
So what have we been saying? Galatians 3.19 says this, the law was a temporary addition until Jesus Christ came to fulfill it. So the law was added till the seed should come. Should make sense. The law was added in the time of Moses till the seed came, the seed that was promised to Abraham. And so the law was added at the time of Moses until the seed which was promised to Abraham should come, and that was Jesus Christ. Moses made this clear. In fact, he told the second generation, the law was not given to anyone before. Remember it said that the law was given and lasted until the time that Moses came. The law was added at Moses and that death reigned from Adam to Moses because why? There was no law given there. People didn't know what the problem was. Why do we not need the law today? We have the word of God and we have the, the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what God has given to us. Deuteronomy chapter five, Moses is speaking to the second generation. And let's take a look at verses one through five. Deuteronomy chapter five, verses one through five says, Moses called all of Israel and said to them, hear, O Israel, the statutes and the judgments that I speak in your ears today, so that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers. What's he saying? It didn't start till this generation. It started with me. It started with the first generation. You are the second generation, but it didn't start way back a long time ago. This thing happened at Mount Horeb and God gave the covenant to your fathers. Notice this verse three, the Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers. That was those way before, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive, the Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you, Moses, was the mediator of the law. I was there to understand what the Lord was saying and bring it to you. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. What was he simply saying? Is the law was not given till we came along and we entered into the wilderness. God gave it to your moms and dads and now you stand in that place and some of your moms and dads are here standing here today. They can vouch for what I'm saying. And it simply means there was no law from Adam to Moses. Romans 5.14. And so from Adam to Moses, death reigned because there was no law. The purpose of the law was to reveal the problem, which was sin in us and reveal the answer, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. The law was given by God through a mediator and Moses was the mediator. He told us right there in those verses and told those people there and including the young people, the second generation, I stood there on that mountain. The people could not go up there. In fact, didn't want to. They said, Moses, you go up there because they saw the smoke, they saw the fire, they saw the glory of God and it freaked them out. And they just simply said, Moses, we're gonna stay down here, you go up there. Isn't it interesting too that while he walked up in the cloud, walked up into the glory of God, they were down there and they had a wild orgy going on. I mean, even with the presence of God on the mountain, they still had that. And so again, that's when they broke out the golden calf and made it all the, uh, I won't even get into it. It just gets into ridiculousness that even with God's presence, people were sick. So again, that amplified the fact that they had a problem and the law and the, pro and the problem was the law was going to bring out is the fact that they had the nature of the flesh, the nature of sin given by Adam, born in Adam. The law was given by God through a mediator who was Moses, who spoke to God for the people and then spoke to the people for God. What he said, what he gave, he brought down to them. But there was a covenant between Adam and Moses the Abrahamic covenant that came between Adam and Moses. And what was it? Grace. God introduced grace 
to Abraham 430 years before the law came along. And by the time that the children of Israel were in the desert, they had forgotten all about grace, didn't want to hear about grace. All they want to talk about is how great they are. God delivered them, brought them through the Red Sea, brought them through many problems. And all of a sudden they got puffed up in their head and thought we can do anything. And God, give us a law. We can keep it. God said, are you sure? They said, yes. And even Moses tried to warn them, don't do this. And when God gave the law, man, they fell flat on their face and they struggled and struggled and struggled, of which people are still doing today, thinking you can merit God's salvation through your own strength. That's nothing but the law. The law simply amplifies you can't do it. And every time time you try to keep a law, you fell flat on your face. And that's why God introduced the law to introduce the two things. You're the problem. Jesus is the answer. Those who would believe in Jesus were in Christ and part of the Abrahamic covenant. The moment a person, even under the law, believed in Jesus Christ, he was no longer under the law. Now he was under grace by accepting Jesus as his Lord and Savior. So during the law, Again, the means of salvation has always been by grace. This is brought out strongly in chapter four of Romans. And there it brings out two people, Abraham and David. It says of Abraham, Abraham believed in the Lord. It was accounted to him for righteousness. A few verses later it says of David, David said, happy is the man whom the Lord imputes not his trespasses against him. Abraham saved by faith before the law. David saved by faith during the law. We saved by faith after the law. Faith and grace have always been God's means of salvation. Jesus Christ is the mediator of the extended Abrahamic covenant, the new covenant. That's us. The new covenant is simply part of the Abrahamic covenant. It's the extended. And this is part B of it, which basically means more blessings. That's why the book of Hebrews tells us we have a better covenant established upon better promises, but we don't have a replacement covenant. The new covenant does not replace the Abrahamic covenant. It amplifies it, gets even more blessings out of it. In other words, the Abrahamic covenant was part A, we simply step into this new part, the added part to it. And again, the uh, greater things, again, and the Old Testament pointed to it, even talked about greater things yet to come, but it had to come with the actual coming of Jesus Christ himself. And that was the one who was the fulfiller of the covenant. So Abraham met with the seed and the seed was Jesus Christ. Once the seed came, man, Jesus opened up the doors of the greatest blessings of all. Today, we have greater things than found in the Old Testament, greater things than even Abraham knew, greater things than even Moses knew, greater things than even David. David do? What do we have? The new birth. We couldn't get born again until Jesus Christ was born again. He became the first begotten. Then we become after that. We get to go immediately to heaven. That didn't happen in the Old Testament. They went to an underground compartment and there they stayed there. And that was called paradise. And when Jesus Christ arose and went into heaven, then he took an innumerable company with him and he took them up to heaven with him. He had to be the first one to go to heaven so they could follow right after him. Next of all, we have the new birth. Never found in the Old Testament. Uh, Becoming one with God, never found in the Old Testament. Becoming a child of God, never found in the Old Testament. Becoming individual priests, never found in the Old Testament. They went to a priest to confess their sins, to talk to God, to find out what uh, prophecy, whatever uh, leadership they needed in their life. They went to a priest. In the New Testament, we are a kingdom of priests, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And so again, we have this. Jesus Christ is the mediator of the greater covenant, the new covenant, as well as the Abrahamic covenant. Hebrews chapter 12 
and verse 24. Grace was the covenant and gospel message from the fall of Adam until Moses and from that time forward. Again, at Moses, there was a side covenant given, which was the law, but it was not added to replace the covenant of grace. It was there to help amplify it and clear up some issues. Exodus chapter 19, verses three through eight. Turn there with me if you would. Again, what a blessing to find from the word of God. Exodus 19, let's start with verse three. It says, and Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, this you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how that I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you out by myself. This is an example of grace to be born on eagle's wings as an eagle does with the smallest of the babies that it has the eaglets they bears them on the wings and this is what teaches them to fly. And so the mother takes them out and it just flies with them and the babies get used to that. When we got born again, guess what? God picked us up on his wings and began to carry us. We didn't do anything. This is grace. God did the work. God did the flying. We just hung on to him and this is how we got born again. God says in the beginning, I treated you in grace. But after a while, you didn't want grace anymore. I brought you out of Egypt. How? By grace. How did you cross the Red Sea? By grace. It wasn't anything to do with you. Moses even said, stand still and watch the deliverance of the Lord. And the Lord parted the Red Sea and brought them over. But day by day, they griped and complained and griped and complained until they finally got the point. They were tired of Moses. They're also tired of God. We can do it ourselves. Moses, go up there and get some commandments. We'll show you how great we are. And Moses said, are you sure? God said, are you sure? And man, when God gave them the first 10, they couldn't keep it. The ones after that, they couldn't keep it. And yet in their pride, they kept thinking by the time it came to Jesus, the Pharisees, that attitude permeated the Jewish religion. Religion is what I call it because it was not a relationship with God. And that was a fact they were arrogant and thought they could keep it all, had a higher nose than anybody else, more puffed up than anybody else. And yet they were sinners like everybody else. Why? Because it takes a humble attitude to hang on to that mother eagle and fly with her. Verse five, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, that's the new birth, that's salvation by faith. You should be a special treasure to me above all people of the earth is mine. Notice this, if you just try to get saved by the law, no matter how arrogant, no matter how religious you are, you're no better than anybody else. You're no better off than a heathen. And he says right there, he says, you'll be a special treasure to me above all people of the earth that is mine. Verse six, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Verse seven, so Moses came and called for all the elders of the people and laid before them all these words the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They couldn't do it. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord and then brought the word of the Lord to the people. It simply came to this. They said, we can do it, we can do it. He says, listen, God delivered you and you couldn't do it. What makes you think you're better than the Red Sea? What makes you think that you're better than Mara, where the Lord provided water out of the rock? What makes you think that you can do all these things that God has done for you? Can any of you uh, make manna? Can any of you bring quail over? God did all that stuff and now you think you're better than that? Yeah, 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 we are. I mean, arrogant as could be, all the people, verse eight, said together, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Any people who could keep the law would be a holy nation. 
special treasure and the kingdom of priests to the Lord. But you know what? Only ones that can keep the law is to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. And guess what? As we walk in the spirit and follow after the word, we also fulfill the law. You have to be born again to keep the law. That's just simply it. You don't keep the law and become born again. No, you become born again, then you can keep the law. And only Jesus could keep the law and introduce to the church the uh, those that get born again and a new priesthood. First Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a unique people. Isn't it good to be a Christian? Isn't it good to know the Lord Jesus Christ and have the power to live above sin? See you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.